Welcome to Sport Faith Life. I'm Chad Carlson. And I'm Brian Bolt. We're two guys from rival schools who came together with one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. We're sports scholars, we're coaches, and we're competitive athletes, or at least we were. And together, we've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. Ever wonder if Jesus played sports? Well, we do too. For these next six episodes on the Sport Faith Life podcast, Chad and I play with the idea of Jesus playing sports. We pick six sports to explore one at a time, asking ourselves, what about the sport speaks to humanity in unique ways? What are the goods inherent in the sport? We do bring a caution or two, but mainly we celebrate sport by imagining Jesus in uniform. So let's get started. Like you heard in the intro, we are kicking off this series talking about sports and specific sports with the theological or religious kind of Christian perspective here. Really, really excited about what we're going to be talking about. we got these six sports lined up. Brian, let's talk about them. Yeah, so I think this is going to be great, Chad, by the way. We're going to uh, try to come up with some connections that maybe people haven't thought about. Um, and really look for some of those internal goods in sports. And and we've picked out some sports that we think, you know, you have to sort of narrow it down. We're going to do six of these in a row. We're going to start with soccer, and probably our first debate will be, shall we call it soccer or football? <laughs> we should probably go with that. We'll, we'll, we'll cover that in a second. Um, but we're also going to do, uh, the next time around in a couple of weeks, distance running, and then pickleball. Anyone, anyone out uh, there play pickleball? A, a, a surging sport, certainly in the United States, but um, a racket sport for those that have not uh, aren't familiar with it. After that, we'll do basketball, back to a team sport. Yes. Uh, then powerlifting. Now you can't see Chad on screen right now, but he's he's really bulked up. So you would not, <laughs> would you would not peg me as a, a powerlifter. <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna finish with hockey. Um, for this series, and and we're excited to do other series as we go forward. But for right now, that's our list. Uh, we don't really represent ourselves as experts in each of these sports, but we are uh, Sport Faith Life podcasters who love to talk about sport and love to talk about faith in these intersections. So we're pretty excited. So maybe that first question, Chad. Let's get to that. Is is it appropriate to kind of go back and forth between the word soccer and football here? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, it, you know, as long as we're consistent, uh, I would say, you know, it might be more more confusing if we go back and forth. But we are talking about association football here, right? Soccer just sort of comes to my mind as an American. I think for you, Brian, too, it does. That's what we're talking about. Really, if you use the word soccer, there shouldn't be any confusion about what you're talking about. The problem is it's just not the official name of the sport. So it's true, right? And football just makes more sense, right? It is. You play with your feet. Um, But we probably, even though we don't have it on the schedule for this series, will do American football. And we probably won't want to call it American football at that point. So let's just say that uh, we can use them interchangeably today. I'm watching a little Ted Lasso. You know, that's football. Uh, So uh, at this point, I I think we need to... um, just be generous with using either phrase. All right, we'll just handle that. I, I know that's going to turn some people off right from the start. But anyway, we're just going to go with that. Yep. 
Sounds so good. our idea here is to you know think deeply about these sports, the action that happens in these sports, and the uh, sort of the pageantry that sometimes goes around them, the way that they're formed, the way that they're played, the way that they're practiced, the maybe the way they fit in the world. And try to come up with some internal goods. And Chad and I each came up with our own independently. So I have no idea what Chad's going to say. And he has no idea what I'm going to say. Uh, and I'm wondering if maybe we end up with some similar answers. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. I'm going to let you go first, Chad. Give me your first one. Yeah, the question, uh, would Jesus play soccer? The first the first thing that comes to my mind is the uniqueness of the timing in the sport of soccer. So first of all, the clock goes up and that's different from many other popular team sports where a clock goes down, clock goes up and you don't really know exactly when the half, each half is going to end, which I know is, is frustrating to uh, a lot of people who are new to the sport. But I think there's something that's interesting and unique about maybe life in general, the Christian life in general, about that. That we don't really know when things are, you know, you don't know when things are going to end, right? And so um, you try to do all you can, but certainly intensity builds up once you get closer to, you know, that 45-minute mark at, you know, at least at the professional level, upper levels, towards the end of each half or the 90-minute mark of the, the match. You, you kind of have an idea now where, the you know, the, the ref on the sidelines will hold up a a sign that says how many minutes are going to be added on. And that's, that's for transparency, but you don't exactly know, you know, when the final whistle is going to blow. And I think there's something that's, that, that parallels the Christian life with that, I guess, you know, when the, when the caller, when, when the, the big man upstairs comes to call or whatever else you say, I think there's something in soccer that really, um, that that's, that's evident through the timing. And I think that there's something that, that that would be, you know, that that fits, right? That makes some sense that we shouldn't know exactly when the end is. And so we want to do all we can. We might have more time. We might have a few more seconds. We might not. Um, but that's that's something that's not up to us to determine as, as humans. So that's my first my first answer, Brian. Yeah, I love that. Uh, that's, that's terrific. Um, I think I thought of a couple of quick parallels there, obviously, when you start thinking about just that mystery, right? We can't know the future and we want to. We desperately oh, yeah. want to know when things are going to come to an end. It's in a, and it's about control, right? Uh, and I've just now realized that as I get older, and maybe I'm there now, right? And at a certain point, I'm just going to say, you know what? I'm living in extra time. Mm. I, I think I've missed my moment, but I, I, I do have some extra time that I'm that I'm <laughs> living in. Would you say uh, your second half? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yes. Well, I mean, I'm just yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. I am second half. Yeah. Right. So you start doing, yeah, I'm over 50. Not a lot of people live to a hundred. So, yeah. And I think there are two levels, right? Because the, you know, the, the disciples wondered too about, um, you know, sort of that end of the world, right. That, that time when heaven and earth come together and uh, there's a lot of people that invest a lot of time and energy in trying to figure out when that might be, interpreting uh, aspects of Scripture. And, you know, Jesus just sort of cut that off fairly quickly. You won't, you won't know, right? Um, you won't know the time or the place. And there is something about that mystery and the idea that you keep plugging, that you just keep moving through life. And I, I love that. So uh, I think that was cool. Uh, I ended up with one that had to do with, I, I almost thought you were going to say this, but it's somewhat similar because I chose 
in some ways, the aspect of time in the same way. Mm -hmm. So I, I looked at it more instead of the the actual time or actual time on the clock, instead about sort of the rhythm between sort of casualness and intensity that you see in the game, which I found to be really interesting because there's uh, there are times, especially with the size of the field, the location of the ball, uh, and and the moments, right? The the urgency of a moment in midfield is a little bit different than the urgency of the moment as it nears a goal. And so uh, there are runs, right? There are times that uh, a person looks like they're just kind of ambling into space. And then the Jets go on. There's this incredible amount of intensity with uh, some sort of through ball. And at that time, you've got to bring all of your energy, all of your, um, all of your effort uh, to that particular moment. But it doesn't last, right? It's really brief. It's an opportunity and then it's over. And so I guess that rhythm to me sort of struck me as well in the way that Jesus walked through life. There is a preparation. He was ready to go. But it seemed like in just about every encounter in the gospel, it was a happenstance encounter. We wouldn't think of it as happenstance. You know, the God is in control of all things. But, you know, Jesus would be on the way to somewhere and he would be largely interrupted. Right. And all of a sudden, um, Lazarus is dying or dead uh, or this woman touched my my cloak or, you know, there are there are times when Jesus is asked to to perform a miracle and he's not ready for that. So I think the the intensity of the moment and sort of being the readiness for that moment really struck me as I thought about this um, this sport and why Jesus might play. Yeah, I like that. I think that's really good. The um, and the, the clock, the game clock, doesn't stop through all that, right? Through the the high intensity and the low intensity, which is also different from I think other sports where there is there's there's more regular stoppages. There's not really stoppages in soccer, right? Except it, it continues to flow, but there are there are moments of lesser intensity or action and greater intensity or action, right? Just what you're saying. Right. And far fewer whistles and control from the external, right? It's just life continuing on. Every once in a while, something breaks in that will stop the clock or change the, the rhythm. But for the most part, the the time just continues and you exist in that time, sometimes in a moment of intensity. Sometimes you're watching a moment of intensity. You are a long way from the ball. So a very different uh, experience for even players on the field. So I think it, it has a it has a just uh, internal rhythm that requires you to just stay vigilant for your moment. And I think that that uh, might be appealing to and have some parallels to the Christian life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. Okay. So I'll, so you, I'll do number two. I'll do my yeah, second one it. and then you jump in. All right. So I'm going to move yeah. off time. We've spent a little time on that, but let, yep, let me sure. uh, jump to something else. And I'm going to go with this. It's really obvious, but um, I wanted to, just play with this idea a little bit. The idea that your most useful tool, the the thing that sort of separates us from the animals, which is the versatility, not our brains as well, but the physical thing that separates us is just the the usefulness of our hands, right? Our hands can do amazing things. Opposable thumbs, yeah. Opposable thumbs, right? So, and the idea that this sport is built to take away your most usable tool 
Mm. Um, the thing that would help you uh, in, in many ways it, a, accomplish the goal, which is to get the thing into the goal. If you could use your hands, it would be an entirely different circumstance. Control of the ball. Uh, I know guys are really good at it. Ladies are really good at it um, because they've practiced their whole lives. And the control almost seems like their feet are working like hands. But, you know, our hands are, are very versatile and can catch on to things a lot faster. So then my thought is that this sport was built with intentional constraint, with this idea that even though we don't have to, even though it's available to us, we restrain or constrain ourselves to not take advantage of everything that's there. In fact, everything that is permissible may not be beneficial. The idea that somehow there's something to be learned when we constrain ourselves. And so then I start thinking about all the times in the Old Testament where there were actual constraints on the people of Israel. Uh, Certainly, just the idea of the nation of Israel chosen by God. You know, there were a lot of uh, religions at the time that required sacrifice. But uh, Yahweh required not only sacrifice, but also being set apart, living differently. And it seems odd that we would constrain those things that are available to us, that we would live with a certain character right? With a certain moral restraint. And yet that's what they were called to. And then as you advance forward into uh, the New Testament, there's, there's more examples of how that restraint can somehow be um, beneficial in our understanding, our dependence on God, uh, but also our, um, our discovery of God, like how we might find him. I think of fasting. Why would you do that? Why? I mean, you have food right in front of you. If as long as you have food, why would you not eat it? But we intentionally constrain so that we can learn something. And I, I think that's what you see in soccer or in football. We see that constraint leading to a beauty. People call it that the beautiful game. And that constraint then just opens up discoveries. So that was, that was my, uh, my second one. That's your second one. That That's deep. That's philosophical. And, and what, <laughs> You're, you're describing uh, gratuitous logic. I mean, really, when, when we say that uh, harder is better, that we make something harder for a particular reason when it doesn't have to be that way, that's that's something that that's uh, that's very evident in in soccer, like the one sport that really you can't use your hands at all in, you know, when you're manipulating the, the object, the ball. And so I think that's important. I think that that's something that uh, oftentimes religious faith, specifically Christianity, sort of overlook that there is a call to do things in a way, you know, morality, behavior, whatever that is, that is more constraining than if you don't live by faith. And there's something better about that. There's also something that's something better. Yeah. There's something better about doing things harder in a harder way when it doesn't have to be that way. Right. Um, So that's, that's absolutely, I I would agree with you part of, part of the joy of, of soccer. And I think something that, uh, yeah, that, that, that Jesus would be able to understand. And I, I assume he would have thought deeply philosophically about certain things. I think his, his deep thinking, we would always call um, theology, so to speak. Of course, he, he <laughs> being one with God, you know, <laughs> right. Theology is the study of God, right? He sees it's a study of himself and, and his own tripartite being um, certainly would have, would have, I think understood and, and appreciated that. 
Yeah. You know, all sports have rules as I'm thinking about it. So all sports have certain constraints, but this one is counterintuitive, right? It, mm-hmm. it, I mean, the easiest met- method to be able to handle this would be to use our hands. To be able to accomplish the goal would be to use our hands. And and right from the very start, this is built in. And it, it does, um, it humbles you quickly. Um, right. I think, and I think that that uh, has uh, a, an effect as you work your way through the game. Um, and that's the the sort of carryover effect or one of the beauties that we don't even think about very often. Right. So we're on the topic of, of hands. So let me go, let me, let me get yeah, my you do. second. You go to number two. Yeah. My, my, my number two, the issue of hands. I think uh, if Jesus had played soccer, and I think he would have liked soccer if that was around. Okay. Maybe that's heresy to say. I don't know. It's certainly, by the we way. We are borderline heresy all the way through. Borderline, don't but, worry, yeah. You know what we're doing here? John Calvin calls all the things that aren't discussed in the Bible, but that are important in culture. He calls those part of the adiaphora, or the adiaphora. I don't know exactly how to pronounce it, but that's a the, the adiaphora. Those things that, that when we're dealing with them in life, we need to use our conscience and, and our brain power, our, our logic, because there's no scriptural basis for whether we should engage in these things or not, or what it would be. So that's that's sort of it's not maybe it's not heresy, but it's part of the the adiaphora, right? The that which is not discussed in the Bible. Soccer is not discussed in the Bible. So, anyways, there you go, Jesus, folks. Your <laughs> podcast about adiaphora. Nice. That's right. That's right. Okay. So I think if Jesus had showed up to a pickup soccer game, I think he would have been told to play goalkeeper. Hmm. Okay. Because, we're going with that. Okay. Here's where I'm going. I think the question is, all right, who can make saves? Who can uh. save? <laughs> all right. So that's that's simple. But I think there's maybe something a little bit deeper to that. The one person that um, that can do things, that can use their hands that when others can't. So there's a bit of a there's a bit of a double standard there. Mm-hmm. And, and in some ways I think there was for Jesus, but it wasn't a double standard that he was allowed to do more things. In fact, I think he was scrutinized more because he said he was the son of God. And um, so, but, but we, we certainly, it, there's something about the language used, the netminder, the goalkeeper, the, the, the goaltender, whatever you want to call this person that, that is making saves, that is protecting that most precious of spaces on the mm. soccer field. And that is the mouth of the goal. And there's something about that, you know, in a lot of our sports, there is some sport or some religious lingo that we use in soccer. I think this is the spot. It's the, the saves that the goalkeeper makes you know, that you're protecting something from the onslaught, from the attacks. And I think that's essentially what Jesus did for us, um, you know, from a, from a Christian perspective. He, he made the ultimate save for us. And so I think he'd be a great, a great goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love that. I, what I like is you, your use of language in there, right? So you brought in one of the terminology, some of the terminology of, you know, some of the action. And it's interesting that uh, this idea, this last line of defense. Um, and, you know, the the keeper is also really the orchestrator, right? Everything mm-hmm. is in front of the keeper. The keeper kind of has the best view, knows what's happening in the big picture where others may not and others may get caught up in their moment. So I can see how you know, Jesus is going to say, there's that kid, right? He's going to come with his gloves. And he's like, yeah, you know what? I'm the keeper. Uh, and I get to wear the fancy jersey. So that, that'll that be yeah, nice. it's a different jersey. And the question on the playground is, hey, is anybody here omniscient? And yeah. <laughs> sure, Jesus is omniscient, right? So he should be the one playing the keeper. He, you're right. He has the total awareness. 
he's totally in control and he knows exactly what's happening. So yeah, I, I remember that from third grade when I would ask, you know, who's omniscient today? Yeah, that's right. The kid who didn't want to run turned out to be omniscient most of the time. Yeah. Yes, that's right. That's exactly it. Yeah. 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 Okay. That I like that. Question. I like okay. that. Okay. We're going to our third one. One to uh, the third. Yep. Yep. You just, uh, you just did your second, but you get to go first on this one. I get one to go again. first on the third. Okay. All right. So this is definitely uh, less shallow than the, the previous one that I shared. It's uh, no judgment. I know. It's, I know. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. Yep. Thank you. It's, I think it still fits. Okay. So here's the third one. Soccer is a sport that requires uh, discipline and fitness. I know other sports require discipline and fitness, right? So uh, soccer does, I think it's a really key uh, factor because of the size of the field and the fact that all space, for, for, for the most part, all space is open to all players at all times. And so it requires a great deal of muscular endurance, muscular strength. So you've got to be in shape to be a good soccer player. I, I recognize this now as as a 40 year old who play, who still tries to play with young guys in indoor soccer, that my fitness isn't what it once was. And therefore I'm not the player that I, I once was in other sports. I can get away with it for, for a time uh, in soccer. I can't. So there's, there's fitness and, and that, that matters in terms of how well you play, but in terms of winning and losing, there is one event that has to happen in order for you to win. And that is to score a goal. Right. And, and to score more goals than the other team. So uh, I think there's a there's a parallel here that that maybe Jesus would have appreciated. And that is that all the discipline, all the training, all the things that you do on your own, those are good. Um, mm-hmm. But none of that matters if that one event doesn't occur. And we see so many games and our, our, the soccer team at my at, at my college here has experienced a, a little bit of heartbreak, just not being able to score the goal. They feel like they've outplayed certain opponents, certain opponents at times and just haven't been able to put the ball in the back of the net. And I think there's a, a an interesting parallel there that you can be as good a person as you want. You can you can read the Bible, you can pray, you can fast, you can do all of these things. But if that event hadn't occurred, the event of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, you don't have you don't have the win. That's that's the essence of the Christian faith. And I think in, in soccer, you have you can have a team that plays really well together because of their discipline, because of their fitness, because of their shape. But if that event doesn't happen, you're not winning. Yeah. No, I really like that. And uh, no, this is way less shallow than your last one for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment, right? Yeah. No, they. Uh, I. I love where the, I, we all do that, right? We all prepare ourselves in terms of fitness. Um, and we all like to rely on that. We like to rely on that fitness, whether we're Christians or not, the good life in some ways we hope has some effect. And the Christian life really is, or the, the Christian death, if we want to think about it that way, is an all or nothing proposition, right? That goal is grace, right? That 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 opportunity you can even you can even send a great shot right but if it doesn't score your great shot doesn't matter right it's got to go in it's got to go through the um, the posts and if it doesn't it makes no difference whatsoever and i i just like that idea that there is a one thing and that one thing is it just changes everything else 
And, oh, absolutely. Yes. And sure that, that, I love that. That's great. Um, Changes everything else. You're right. And I think I really like this about the sport of soccer itself, that um, it, it sort of, it, you know, there's, there's certainly an emphasis on, on winning and losing, especially at upper levels. But it, it's a sport that is that has so little quantified to it that you can, you know, there's, there's something subjective or qualitative to it. You can outplay a team and still lose. And I think that takes the pressure off of winning and losing in some ways that you can be able to, to respond and say, hey, we, we had a really good outing. We had a great match. We played well. We didn't win, but we felt we feel like we're making progress. And I think soccer, the way it's played, the way it's analyzed, opens itself up, up to that in a way that that maybe some other popular team sports around the world don't. Yeah, goals are so difficult, right? And so because of that, it lends itself to, um, you know, it it gives an opportunity for the underdog as well. Right. So that for yeah. the team that, that doesn't dominate and might not dominate for 90 minutes. Right. And you just, in that one moment, uh, you were able to stick it through the goal and that made a huge difference. So, uh, it does level the playing field a little bit as well. That idea that it's available for all that goal is available mm-hmm. for all. Mm-hmm. I like Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, your third, Brian. Okay, number three. I you went big picture. I actually went small picture. I know you had Jesus in the goal, but I got I have him running around out there, right? Okay. And we I need think clone, we need to clone him then, right? We need we need more the than one. Play, team. yeah, exactly. You would expect that Jesus might uh, score a lot of goals, right? Um, then maybe that'd be the first thing. But instead, I think the play that Jesus would be get most satisfaction from is the slide tackle. Mm. So uh, just for those that, that don't play soccer, you know, somebody is breaking toward the goal. They've got a, a certain possession of the ball. You know, it's out in front of them. And as you, as the defender, come alongside them, trying to catch up, going at top speed as fast as you can possibly go, there is one moment, one instance where you have to make a call, where you have to make a decision because the risk reward on this is extremely high. If you contact the ball in a slide tackle, it's a clean tackle and you save the goal. You do what your team needs you to do and you change the game. But if you miss, if you miss the ball and you take out a person's legs in the process of a slide tackle, then uh, there's a very serious penalty, a very, depending on where it is, but a very serious penalty that could potentially lose the game for you. So the the level of risk reward to me there is is compelling. And so here's where I kind of tie that in. I mean, in some ways, Jesus talks about that level of risk all the time. You know, if there are a hundred sheep in the pen, he's not staying there in that safe space and counting them up and making sure that he has 99 and feels pretty good about that, right? He counts, he gets to 99, and he realizes that one is missing. He goes out, and the good shepherd goes out and looks for that sheep in that dangerous space, right? That one slide tackle, that one moment. And there are uh, soccer players that uh, can't really find themselves doing this well, right? They, They just don't handle risk reward well. And so they might try other things. They might try to avoid being in that circumstance. But Jesus uh, is willing to take on that risk, that bold, precise move to to accomplish his goals. And so to me, I, I think the slide tackle is, uh, you know, 
it's talked about a little less than a goal. It's celebrated a little less than a goal, but it is the moment that really can save a game. And so that to me, I, I went kind of narrow in on that one activity, one movement. And I just love to watch him. I love to watch a great slide tackle because you have one chance. You have one chance, one moment, and you got to make it happen. Yeah, the, the, the tackle. I, that, that's really interesting. Yeah, you did go. You went specific there, right? I went you know, very that, specific, yeah. One one particular skill within the sport of soccer. Um, that, that's really interesting. And I would say, you know, there's that there's the moment of, of the tackle. And, uh, you know, whether one's, whether one's sliding or not, um, I get the sense there's another, uh, American versus the world thing there in terms of the rhetoric, right? So the slide yeah, tackle right, yeah. to be separate from the American football tackle, but yeah, the, the tackle. And I think, um, that's really interesting. And I would say there's also, so there's the moment when the other team is in possession of the ball and, and a player that, that, that really critical moment when a player makes the tackle and overtakes possession for his or her team. I think that's really, I think that's really a crucial moment that you mentioned. There, there's another moment that's really similar. It's when I was growing up playing soccer, we called them 50-50 balls. That is the ball that's open. Uh, it's, it's not being possessed by either team. And to be able to step into that moment is a big risk as well. Um, and it's a moment where you're sort of, you're, you're confronting an opponent head on in a way that, that doesn't happen all the time throughout the match. And so I think that's a really interesting, so those moments, I think that's what you're talking about here. It's, it's, it's the crucial engagement, really trying to, um, you know, there's something about the beauty of the game and the balls at someone's feet, like, a, and, and they, they control it like a magician. But there's also these, these moments where we're going, where we're head to head. It's either, it's either you're winning or I'm winning. It's either your ball or my ball. And there's something about opportunities there that I think connects with, with how, how we're confronted with, uh, with the devil or sin or, or whatever else. We have moments, we have these critical moments where, where we need to step in and, and, and whether we make the right decision or not, uh, is maybe indicates where our heart is or, or, or where our faith is. But I, you know, we have that, we have that savior there. That's, that's made the ultimate save the ultimate event, whatever else. But I think what you're getting at is really interesting. And it would probably be, I would guess, Brian, a joy to watch Jesus in those moments, because I got to imagine that although he's perfect in everything, he would be a perfect decision maker. He would know exactly how to make a, a perfect tackle and execute it well every time. You know, and the interesting thing too is that this isn't a grand show, right? This is when Jesus walked among um, his disciples, when he was in the world, in the flesh, you know, he was constantly inviting those around him to do the same, right? So uh, he, and there was a high level of risk. So, uh, you know, when, when the disciples approached him and said, so, you know, how do I get to know you? Well, come and see, right? So come and see and walk alongside me for a while, right? And then eventually that became, this is getting much more serious, right? Now it's kind of come and suffer, come and suffer with me and put yourself at risk. And ultimately to all of the disciples, to those that were willing to express his name, it came down to just to come and die, right? There was a there was a great severity for those that chose this path. And uh, I think that that high level of risk and return and risk and reward uh, is something that we're, we're asked to step into. And it might be something like we experience in life where we have to step in for somebody else. Maybe we have to speak up in times that, uh, you know, we wouldn't normally do that. We wouldn't take that risk. And there are parallels for all of us. And 
these times are kind of like that, right? We're, we're all in a place where we're not sure when we're supposed to step up, but there's a readiness that we want to be prepared for and a skillfulness, right? In the end, to be able to execute that slide tackle uh, with that level of precision uh, yeah. to, to affect yeah. the outcome. Tackles about timing. Yep. That's right. It is. That's right. That's good. Yeah. So, uh, we've made it through our list of three, each of us, and uh, we were wondering maybe, you know, we're going to say all these wonderful things about why Jesus would play sport or why Jesus would play, in this case, football or soccer. And uh, we thought maybe Jesus wouldn't play, right? Maybe, he's like, hey, you know what, yep. uh, I'm going to pass. I'm going to go to the library or whatever. Thanks a lot. Or, ch- or church. Yeah. Or church, whatever, right? So <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Synagogue, right? Right. Uh, so... Uh, I, I wonder if, did you come up with something that maybe is less appealing, less of an internal good, maybe an, an internal negative, uh, sort of baked into this sport? Yeah. So uh, let me, can I, can I flip this back to you, Brian? Cause I have, yeah. I, I have a couple. Okay. And yeah. I want to, I want to hear what you have to say about this one first, honestly. Um, and then I'll, I'll respond. Is that right? Sure. Sure. And I'm just going to be honest with the listeners. I, I didn't put as much thought into this one. So I, I kind of scrambled and I I took basically the the top layer off the off the cake on this one, kind of the easiest one for me. Um, and so here's here's where I'll go with that. Um, the the thing that grates me the most is the is the diving. It's the I thought you might say that. Yeah. I know. So the 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 part where I like, okay. I get that you're trying to dis- deceive, you know, those in authority for your own gain, right? That's what you're trying to do. But just the constant writhing in pain that goes along with that, you know, I, I have been hit, I am down, I am near death. Uh, but in, you know, six to 12 seconds, I can be back out there at full speed. So I know that this is a fun debate. And actually, I like to debate the other side of this one. I think it actually, uh, the idea of deception is cooked into every game. And this is a, another level, but I would say just on the surface that maybe just the extreme of it, um, Jesus might say, you know what? I, I, I'm not participating. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Right. right. The, you know, the deception that we expect is baked into our sports has to do with, you know, using one's skill to deceive one's opponents. You think I'm going right. I'm going to go left. You think I'm going to pass. I'm going to shoot those types of things. So this is a different type of deception where you're deceiving the officials, the judges. And I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that's a great point. The, the, there's inauthenticity there. There is. And I think that that sort of goes against, I don't know, it, in some sense. Uh, so I love watching soccer with my kids. My wife has a hard time with the diving, the flopping also. She she didn't grow up playing soccer or even watching soccer. And so I, I did. And and so it's different. She can't get past that sometimes. And I, I agree. It, it I think it, it, it hinders the game. Of course, there, there are logical reasons for it. Mm-hmm. To to preserve one's health in the midst of playing against teams that are really physical. I mean, soccer is so hard on the legs. Anyways, yep. Uh, this is a way of just sort of protecting oneself. But I absolutely agree the the um, the, the theatrical nature of of some of the dives. Just um, I could spend all day watching clips on YouTube of of, <laughs> uh, of soccer dives. I mean, yeah. I think it's just it, it's it's funny. But um, I, I agree with you. I think that's a I think that's a something that that somebody who comes to the game honestly and somebody who is an honest person you know would, would have to say at least in some way um, yeah that that might be something we need to we need to consider yeah and you think about could the game 
be different without it, right? Could we could we eliminate it and keep the beauty of the game? And and those are some of. The, I know that there are there are arguments, and you mentioned a few of them, like that they they actually play a deeper role than what you see, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But so then we contemplate the question. I mean, is this over the top? It doesn't actually happen at every level in the same way. Correct. It tends it tends to be different depending on who's playing and uh, you know sort of the the level or the age of the participant. And I tell you, if everybody tackled like Jesus, to your last point, if everybody tackled like Jesus, we wouldn't have to. No, that's right. We wouldn't have to flop. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So I wonder, did you come up with one? Yeah. Okay. So um, I, I thought I thought that this was this was one that we should be discussing, right? Flopping. I think um, part of what might sort of bother Jesus about Saga, a reason why he might he might step off the pitch, is the substitution rules at the highest levels, the, um, the rules that state you only have X amount of substitutions that you can make throughout the game. And once a player's off, they're off. It seems to me that Jesus Christ is a God of second chances hmm. and third chances. And I think that rule would be one that just doesn't, doesn't fit with sort of the ethos of the Christian life, the Christian faith. Um, that is, at times we need to step off. Uh, and at times we are, we're benched, we're, we're, we're pulled off, we're, we're not on our A game, we're in the valley, however you want to say it. Um, but there's always, uh, with faith in Jesus Christ, there's always the opportunity to step back on the field, to participate again, to step back in, to prove oneself again, to whatever else. So I, I think the substitution rules at the elite levels, hmm. and, and we don't see this at lower levels at all in the United States. And even, even in some college soccer levels, pretty high level, we don't see substitution rules like that, but at the elite levels, they have the rules. Once you step, you get three or four substitutions per match. And once someone comes off, uh, unless it was for injury, they can't come back on. I think that would be problematic. You know, Jesus, um, in terms of who he hung around with was definitely, uh, into second chances and third chances mm-hmm. and so on. Yeah. Right. So he and would, bench players, right? yeah. And that's where I was going next that I think he was also a depth guy. Right. So in many ways, and, and we talk even into, to Paul's letters, this idea that not everyone's, uh, an, an eye or a ear or a hand or a foot, but people have something to give or something to offer. Um, and if, if you've coached a team, you recognize that you have this really uh, broad range of talents and uh, effort levels, and you're you're constantly trying to develop each one of those players. It's really gratifying when somebody that you might not expect to be a hero can can step in and play that particular role. So, yeah, I like that that uh, it, it does seem punitive, unnecessarily punitive. To uh, take that out, and it also seems a little less team-oriented in, in a team game. And I think uh, that, um, the, the, especially at that at the elite levels, like you said, that uh, is a detriment. I mean, it, it kind of pulls it back. So, yeah. So we've had a, a nice conversation here, uh, better than nice. Actually, it's been a lot of fun for us to try to pull this together. Uh, uh, I hope you enjoyed it as well. What we're going to try to do is return to this format of conversation and maybe tweak it. This is our first go round, but uh, come back to this format. Think of three things that maybe we think is an internal good in the sport. And then maybe one that uh, why Jesus maybe would pass or choose not to play. 
um, and that's a lot of fun. We uh, we're getting into our next uh, sport, and wow, distance running, Chad. Uh, I'm in trouble there. Uh, I, I yeah. I've run, but I I mean the distance runners I know that's going to help me, right? That's going to they they are they're all in. So it, it doesn't really seem like that. I'm the same way as you. I I don't like in my mind it's it's not sport. It's torture. When I, when I do that, there's some other end. <laughs> we're going to try to, we're going to try to give this, do this justice for the yes, sport. And it's, it's a course. popular activity, right? Absolutely. But, um, you know, we, we love, we love feedback. Uh, uh, Brian mentioned this on, on the front end. We, you know, we love feedback for this one for soccer and we'll try to put, uh, put feedback that we get. We can put it up on the website to let you know that there are tons of varying thoughts on this, but also on the front end here for us, uh, as we move towards distance running. Yeah. We, we'd love to hear, we'd love to hear your thoughts. And I think uh, we, I can imagine that we may revisit this topic with, uh, you know, some people that might want to speak into it. So that could be kind of fun. But right now, I, I thought this was a, this is a lot of fun. So I really appreciate you uh, putting some thought into that. I think we ended up with a little bit of synergy and a little bit of difference, but it worked out really well. So to yeah, to our audience, thanks for listening to Sport Faith Life, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Sport Faith Life podcast. Find previous episodes at sportfaithlife.com and on Apple Podcasts. We're releasing each episode with a blog post authored by our guests, so you can find the blog for this podcast and other posts at the same website, sportfaithlife.com. <laughs>